Welcome back to the fourth episode now of Movie Babble's Road to the Oscars. It's me, Brennan. I'm always here, joined by Nick. Uh, how's it going, Nick? Um, I'm really excited to talk about American, uh, the American Society of Cinematographers nominee, uh, Cherry, for <laughs> an hour and a half today. Uh, really looking forward to talking about all those great shots in that movie. Um, really excited to be here. Oh, Cherry. Oh, Cherry. That was the weirdest. That, that was probably the weirdest one of the weekend. I mean, we'll get into the BAFTAs. They had a lot of weird stuff, too. But that had to be the weirdest one of the weekend. <laughs> Honestly, if we're going to go here for a second, I just want to say something. I don't remember a single shot in Cherry, which was actually really interesting. Um, so I'm not quite sure what happened there. Maybe that's uh, Apple TV Plus dropping the bag full of money <laughs> who <Yeah>. knows <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> it's odd especially considering the guy who uh shot that film i forget his name right now but he also did the five bloods he was the director of photography for that film and i felt his work in that movie was great with all the different uh the different kind of aspect ratios throughout the five bloods switching from imax to the kind of the old style i thought that was so unique and then they give it to him for cherry this year very weird <laughs> Honestly, it's the in Cherry, it's the parody version of the Five Bloods, <laughs> shifting aspect ratios literally every single time. It's so stupid. Oh my uh, God, it's really bad. But sorry, happy to be here talking about other things <laughs> other than Cherry. <laughs> uh, very weird. So, first things first, we're going to get into the Critics' Choice Awards this year, uh, this year's edition. Then we'll jump into the BAFTA nominees because they came out. That's very big stuff. And then we got the the Producers Guild Awards, uh, they dropped their nominees, the Directors Guild also, and then the uh, Cinematographer Society, and then the Editing Guild also revealed their nominees. Um, so the Critics' Choice this year, I didn't watch the show. I, I don't know. I, I think it's really just an American broadcast. I found it hard to find. I remember last year I had to stream it online or something like that, um, but it was fine. I just checked all the awards after and saw some great clips there's one clip we'll get to especially uh later on in this uh, segment here but uh, just kind of really jumping into it right away so critics choice uh best comedy they went to palm springs which i'm, I'm glad about they could have went borat um because borat seems to be surging uh this, this award season but they did go palm springs um which i think probably out of what they had here you have 40 year old version which is probably a better film i haven't been able to see it uh, Borat 2, then King of Staten Island and On the Rocks and Prom. I think Palm Springs is arguably the best one out of the bunch there. Yeah, I really like 40-year-old version a lot. That movie's really good, but I feel like throughout all these podcasts, whenever we've mentioned Palm Springs, we're like, yeah, we both really like that movie, but there's, there's no chance of actually winning. Uh, so it's nice that it has uh, gets a win here, but um, that's probably it as far as the, as far as the awards race goes for this movie I, like I, I doubt we'll mention a lot yeah so I mean it's the type of movie that you might obviously we saw pop up a few times in the Golden Globes comedy kind of section and then it also got the writing uh, guild nomination as well but that's kind of on the back of having a lot of people just ineligible to get that nomination um so yeah, it wins here the Critics' Choice for Best Comedy. That's pretty cool. Now, the, the Best Foreign Language Film, Critics' Choice, they also have that. Now, one thing I'll give them credit for, they don't block it off and put it in the corner. Like Minari, it, it won, but it still got 10 nominations total at the Critics' Choice this year. So Minari was the winner there. I don't think that's any real surprise. Um, and now getting into just some of the below-the-line technical categories, I think uh, it, it's awesome now that we kind of get to see what's winning where, you know, so we can kind of start to gauge some of these awards um so best visual effects we had tenet here 
Uh, I'm, I'm happy about this. I, I, I personally enjoyed Tenet. I'm, I'm not incredibly high on it. I think it's a really enjoyable movie and I, I, I've only seen it once so far, but I did pick up the Blu-ray pretty recently. So I will check it out again, but I do hope Tenet wins this at the Oscars. The Oscars always go for something very subtle. I think the last few years, that's kind of been the trend. We had 1917 last year and then first man the year before that. Um, this year, people were talking about Mank as kind of that subtle movie that would win. And, and I really want to throw that notion away because Mank, uh, a lot of its steam in the VFX category has been, it, it's really pushing that a lot of its sets were done with a green screen and CGI. And you know what? That's like 90% of movies these days, right? So, I mean, why, why, are, we, why are we now going to say, oh, Mank, great job for this? But I think that's pretty much like, I don't know. I think production design will leave to Mank. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Tenet goes all the way with uh, visual effects. Yeah, my my rule with the visual effects for the Oscars is always uh, the movie that sounds the the least stupid on a card when some old actor who's way over the hill is reading it on stage will probably win. So First Man <laughs> sounds pretty reasonable. 1917 also sounds re- very reasonable. And Tenet, for as crazy of a, as a movie as it is, it sounds pretty normal when you read it. So um, that's a little cynical, but it does seem like that's always the case because didn't First Man beat like Avengers, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's like ridiculous that because that movie is all effects. But um, yeah, that's normally how I look at it. Yeah, Tenet's kind of an interesting blend for me because you look at uh, say the Avengers and First Man. First Man didn't have too many visual effects shots, but it had many um, practical effects it used a lot in the movie. And Tenet is the same, but it also has that blockbuster appeal. So I think it blends both uh, kind of sides of the the visual effects kind of argument. Um, but yeah, so we'll move away from that. And we've got a best hair and makeup. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom one here. And I've been really looking for a while to see what movie takes off in this category. I was thinking Hillbilly. Um, but Ma Rainey wins here at the Critics' Choice. And I think that maybe puts it in the front runner here for this category. Maybe Hillbilly is just not a movie people are really enjoying that much because it seems now like Glenn Close has fallen out of the race for Best Supporting Actress. Um, but yeah, Ma Rainey wins here, and I I, I, I respect this award. I think what they did to uh, Viola Davis there is pretty cool. That messy kind of makeup, just it, it really added to her character in, in this film. Yeah, and the one thing about this movie that I really like is everyone just looks really sweaty. You know, it's just, it looks, it's the movie scene, just whatever day this movie is set on, it just looks like it's really hot outside. It just looks, you can see it on every character's face. I think that's a really good job there as well. Um, yeah, I feel like hillbilly was just kind of a movie that they were placeholding in a lot of spots like yeah i guess we'll put it there this movie has makeup and hair design in it we'll put it in this category for now um but i'm glad to see that things are jumping it and so we don't have to talk about it anymore it's nice (laughs) (laughs) um so after that golden globe uh shock for best song when uh scene one from the life ahead i was thinking this could be a more interesting race but speak now ended up winning at the critics choice um, which kind of gets us back on, on pace here for what uh, I expect to probably win the Oscar. Um, it's a nice song. It's a song that I think anyone can listen to. And I think that's important for this particular category. Now we jump into score. It looks like Soul's going to run the table and it won here as well. Uh, do you have anything, any input there for, for score or song? No, it, it, just, it just really seems like Soul is kind of the front runner at this point. So um, yeah, there's just, this just kind of confirms that. Mm-hmm. Um, now we got a production design and Mank wins. I, I don't even think there's a runner up in this category. I think Mank's so far ahead in this race. Um, 
like I look down the, the, the chart here, you got David Copperfield and Emma, which in my opinion are kind of similar in terms of production design or costume design more especially for those films. But I think there's some similar similarities there. Ma Rainey was here. Uh, News of the World was here. I really don't see anything challenging Mank in this category. I think it's going to run away with it and it might be its sole uh, win on Oscar night. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of who is running second here. It might be Ma Rainey, but I also feel like that movie is very clearly an adaptation of a play and it takes place in two or three different rooms throughout the entirety of that film. And I mean, maybe that's that shouldn't disqualify it from winning best production design, but I feel like when you're splitting hairs at the end, I feel like it has less production design maybe, mm-hmm. you know? So um, yeah, it seems like Mank is uh, doing the most and probably the best here. So yeah, yeah it's, it's I'd agree. the leader. Well-deserved too. I think Mank's beautiful in terms of production design. Also Tenet landed in here, which critic stores were big on Tenet. It picked up five nominations total, which we'll talk about the BAFTA soon, but it doesn't look like it's on that trajectory for the Oscars. Now we had the costume design. Here's one where I'm rooting for Emma because I enjoyed Emma and I want to see it get recognized somewhere. But Ma Rainey won the Critics' Choice Award for Best Costume Design. I think Emma can still give it a fight. I think Emma can still be one that uh, rivals it in this category. But it looks like Ma Rainey might have a couple of these below-the-line categories kind of uh, trending in its in its favor. Yeah, it really does seem that way. It seems like across the board, it feels like Ma Rainey is just rising in everything. Mm-hmm. Where it it might not be, it might not win like 12 Oscars on Oscar night, but it seems like it's starting to become more of a player in all of these different categories, which is just kind of cool. I didn't, I, don't, I honestly don't know if I expected that when the movie first came out, I mostly just thought it would kind of be uh, a big push for Chadwick Boseman and everything else would kind of be in the mix, but not necessarily front runners or major contenders, but it seems like it's turned heading that way. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Um, so now we jump into the cinematography here and Nomadland wins. It seems like it's going to run the table. Another one of those movies that is, I would argue maybe Mank is your best challenger. I know Judas and the Black Messiah is uh, kind of rising in terms of cinematography and the love that that movie's getting, but it didn't land here, a nomination here. So we can't really compare. Um, First Cow was in here as well. That's probably not going to go. That might be one of the odd ones. Like we had the lighthouse last year landed cinematography. Yeah. We could have something like that happen at the Oscars this year. I do hope we do. Um, Tenet's also in here to Five Bloods, News of the World. But really, I think Nomadland is like far and ahead of everything else in this category. It would be really cool if First Cow made it because I think that movie is a really interesting blend of like a lot of bleakness, but also warmth in how the just how every frame looks and also how the characters interact. But um, I just, I think there's a lot of really interesting lighting stuff that they're doing in that movie. So I would hope that it's the weird one that gets in. That'd be fun to talk about, I think. But um, yeah, it's it's Nomadland. It's been that way for months now. Mm-hmm. So a few months ago, I thought Mank was going to kind of make a play here. It's, it's the black and white movie and it is well shot, but I think we've been there before with the black and white. And I think Nomadland just is, it's something unique and it's something that you can really tie to the rest of the movie. I do think this is a movie that is kind of driven with uh its visuals um and and it's kind of beautiful portrayal of landscapes down there in uh southwestern united states so i think it's 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 definitely safe here uh so we go to the editing category now and this is one where they went for a tie the critics choice they're always kind of uh i don't know they always go for at least one tie every year i think last year we had best director was a tie with sam mendes and bong joon ho the year before that 
uh, Glenn Close and Lady Gaga tied for best actress. So we always have one tie. I mean, I think the fun thing would be to predict where you think the tie is going to be. I didn't think it'd be here, but it was here. So Sound of Metal and Trial of Chicago 7 both tied here for editing. I think uh, Trial wins the Oscar, but Sound of Metal is rising and rising fast in the editing category, which is pretty cool. I don't really know why. A lot of people are saying like they're starting to envision this movie as kind of like a whiplash type movie, but I, I don't, I, it's not, it's not whiplash for me at all. Um, so I, I don't really see why it's landing here. I mean, it's a well-edited movie, but I don't think it's super flashy if you will. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's an interesting pick, but it's rising and it tied here at the Critics' Choice Award. Yeah. It's weird. Cause like the first 15, 20 minutes of that movie, there's a lot of like the heavy metal music. So you can understand why editing in that case, but the rest of the movie is pretty, pretty solemn and downbeat and pretty slow moving. Um, kind of like what you said, I think it's, it's really well put together. I think the story is kind of the editing makes it in a lot of sense because it's um, a lot of it. And especially in the second half is a pretty standard story, but I think it's told really interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um so I think editing is doing a, a lot of the heavy lifting there, but uh, yeah, this is kind of this is kind of weird to me. I don't I don't really know if I expected this at all. I, I don't even know if I expect Sound of Metal to really contend for yeah. the best editing Oscar. So I, I think know. this could be a sign of just a widespread love of this movie. I think it's this is another movie that seems like it's starting to rise up a little bit in terms of just the award season overall. My pick personally, I just want to keep throwing it in there because it's kind of being overlooked and apparently the studio is just dropping the ball with screeners is the father um i think that's the best edited movie of 2020 uh and you probably still haven't seen it right no still have not seen it because <laughs> I, I, I got roasted by one of those one of those screeners <laughs> that's the thing like there's there's they, they have a huge issue right now with screeners and i don't know what's up but i've read a lot about it they're just not getting them out and it sucks. But for me, the father is the best edited movie of 2020. And you'll see why I think that, I mean, you got Anthony Hopkins who's, who's struggling there and he's got kind of two or three realities and they're all kind of blended together. And it's, I think it's very, very talented editing, but in my opinion, trial wins this at the Oscars. I think the last 20 minutes of trial were super flashy. You had all these different storylines kind of lining up in the end, like, for me, it's a safe pick to win the Oscar. Maybe it's not the most inspired choice, but that's my prediction for this category. Yeah, I mean, I would love to talk about how great The Father is if I would be able to see it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like one of that, because I've been doing a, I've been trying to do a lot of just catching up on a lot of stuff. And I finally watched uh, The United States versus Billy Holiday, which is uh, not a very good movie, but Andre Day is pretty good in it. But I've been trying to do all this stuff and then I just still can't watch The Father because it's not available anywhere. I had a screener available basically on new year's eve night and that was it <laughs> uh-huh. a screener that expired for two days and it was over the holidays so it was just impossible to watch it so uh yeah the father is the one that will i probably will have no content on <laughs> until actual oscar night when it's available in like vod or something rough 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 uh so now we go to the uh screenplay categories and i found these to be a little bit interesting for me adapted screenplay is kind of wide open. I was thinking for a while One Night Miami would be our front runner, but Nomadland won the critic's choice here. Um, very interesting for me. I think this is a movie that I wouldn't like think about the screenplay as something that uh, kind of jumps out for me with this movie. I know that uh, it was kind of written on the go 
like every place they went to, all these nomads that they met, real life people, they'd listen to their stories and kind of interweave that into the screenplay, which I think is incredibly unique in terms of how it's written. So maybe it is deserving in that way, but it seems with this Critics' Choice win that it might pull ahead as our favorite for adapted screenplay. But I, I don't think it's a lock at all, personally. Yeah, I think a lot of people are pointing to that blend of fiction and documentary in Nomadland is why they like it so much, because it is a really interesting blend of those two. Um, so I do think that's why it's showing up a lot here, because like you said, it's very unique, but I also think it's also very well rendered and it's very honest. So it's it's really, it's really kind of just doing an amazing job of being able to display all these fictional elements, but also be able to tell these people's real stories. Um, which is just very unique uh, mm -hmm. in cinema, honestly. For but, sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, I would have expected one in Miami, honestly. Um, I think that's what I'm still expecting, if I'm going to be honest. But um, it does seem like people really love Nomadland, and it's winning on a lot of places. So good for yeah. Nomadland. Yeah, and now we'll move to the original, original screenplay here. And I think it's going to come down to a battle between Trial and Promising Young Woman. Um, Trial won the Golden Globe, and I do think it's the favorite to win the Oscar, but Promising Young Woman won the Critics' Choice here, and I think you'd expect that. Like, critics have been pretty high on this movie. There's been a lot of people kind of really getting behind it to, to just go all the way this award season in terms of critics. So I think this is a this makes sense for the Critics' Choice, for Promising Young Woman to win original screenplay over Trial. Um, and I think on Oscar night, we might see a battle between these two, but I still go Aaron Sorkin for trial. I think that they're, they're not going to, like, I, I do think they're going to go that way with that movie. I think Aaron Sorkin's someone that it's tough for them to, uh, tough for them to dodge, if you will. I think he's someone that they want to always try to recognize. Um, but I think Promising Young Woman could definitely give it a run for its money. And the win here is big. Yeah, this movie screams, um, best original screenplay winner to me, honestly. It, the way I see it playing out is that it wins, this is the only win it has. It gets shut out everywhere else and then it wins in best original screenplay. Cause I do think if we've seen anything in the last few years, the Academy loves using screenplay categories to just to give people who make really cool movies their due, but they're just not gonna like contend very well, very well in other places. So I saw Black Klansman a few years ago um, and like Knives Out got a nomination last year. Like they like to pepper those in for those really interesting, almost like hip movies, if you will. But um, yeah, I think well. it's going to be the winner. It's my, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the, the big winner here. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, if I had to pick, I'd pick trial. I just really think that's what's going to pull it out, but I understand where you're going there. And I mean, as I just mentioned there, Get Out also won as well this this uh, original screenplay a couple yeah. of years back so you're right i think it, it the prospects are there for it to win it's definitely a two horse race though for that one um now we go to acting ensemble and a bunch of great movies here you had one night minari ma rainey judas to five bloods and trial trial ended up winning i think that we could expect that and even at the critics choice i mean they trial didn't do too great overall here so i think they want to give it something um I don't think this really sets up much for the SAG. I think obviously it's a completely different group of voters. Uh, there's not really much overlap, but I do expect Trial to win the SAG Best Ensemble Award as well. Yeah, I do too. Um, it's just interesting to see Judas and the Black Messiah not kind of pick up the steam as I thought it, I thought it would. As I mentioned in other podcasts, 
I don't know what the case is. Maybe it came out slightly too late. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there would be more buzz for it outside of just um, Daniel Kluya in Best Supporting. But um, yeah, it does seem like Trial is the leader here. Yeah, and you know what? I think I think we'll see at the BAFTAs. We'll see that steam that you were talking about. So we'll, we'll wait a little bit for that and some other ones. But I think the Critics' Choice, the thing about them is they voted a little earlier than the other ones. The nominees came out much earlier than the other ones. Maybe it was yeah, that. That's true. I think maybe that's what happened there, but uh, we'll see. So, so trial wins there. Now, the best young actor, actress, uh, Alan Kim in Minari, he pulled out this win here, and his his acceptance speech was just. I the first time I watched it, I just couldn't help myself but laugh. I was just laughing up, like it was so so cute. He just kind of <laughs> poured, like he's bawling his eyes out the entire time. He's accepting it, and it was just uh, it was an adorable. Uh, adorable speech and a great moment for a movie that I finally got to see. I love it. And uh, it's just a great moment for that movie to kind of tack onto their, their story. We don't deserve Alan, Alan Kim. He's the best. It's just uh, unbelievable. I still remember when the movie I saw, when I saw Minari back at Sundance, uh, I guess last year, 2020. Um, and he was just walking around in the cowboy outfit the entire time. That was like, he just, it's just amazing. <laughs> you know, uh, we just don't deserve him. He's, he's so great. Okay, so the next one here is Best Supporting Actors, and this was a huge one. I thought they were going to go with uh, uh, Yao Yu Jung there, the grandma in Minari. I really thought she was going to pull out the critics' win because critics were pretty high on this movie, but Maria Bakalova won the Supporting Actress win here. And you know what? Such a weird uh, such a weird turn of events, in my opinion, for her this award season. I think, I think a few weeks ago after the Globes, we were talking about how she's maybe done. She pulls out a win here tonight uh, at the Critics' Choice, and I think that's a that's a big boost for her Oscar potential. I think with that, she might now be a lock to get a nomination. I sure hope so. That would make things way more fun. Just get get Glenn Close out of here, talk about more fun performances and movies that I like. Uh, this is all great stuff. Yeah, it's such a... Yeah, it's such a, such a neat nomination, for sure. I think um, it's one, personally, that... I uh, like when I first watched it, I, I appreciate it. I thought she was a lot of fun in the film, but I never thought she'd make it this far. Now she's got a critic's choice win. Um, best supporting actor, Daniel Kaluuya won. I think that makes sense. Um, and then we got the best actress. And I think that is a category that, I mean, supporting actress is a complete mess this year. It's completely all over the place. And it's very much like a maybe four horse race, but best actress is another one that there's a lot of uncertainty and Carrie Mulligan ended up winning at the Critics' Choice. And I think that also makes sense. I think critics like that movie a lot. They like her performance. So I think for me, that makes sense. I think that's a good win for her moving forward in this uh, race for Best Actress. Um, what do you think here? Do you think this is a one-off or do you think she's got a real chance to win the Oscar? Um, I, I would I would side more towards the one-off in this. I do I do agree. I do think while I, th I think while um, Promising Young Woman will do really well in original screenplay it's very more it's it's much more of a confrontational movie kind of the thing that the oscar the academy doesn't always go for i mean parasite won last year so maybe that changes things but um this is typically uh like this kind of movie doesn't do as well it gets recognized but never really wins um so my guess is carrie mulga just gets her nomination for the oscar and that's really about it so now if she's able to win sag would you change your mind uh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll do it. Because <laughs> so, I think I think there's a chance there. I think that, I mean, it's the acting branch. I think that a lot of them like her. I think she's a popular person. So if she pulls out the win there, and I mean, 
do you think it's a movie that other actors and fellow actors would really get behind? Do you think that she has a chance of winning that? Yeah, because it, it, it is one of those movies where it's a really great performance and it's also a lot of acting, you know, where she's being, she's very animated. There's nothing like you think of like Sydney Flanagan and never really sometimes always, which is an amazing performance, but it's very naturalistic and subdued, which doesn't always just resonate very well with voting bodies. But I think with Carrie Mulligan, it's, it's a very interesting performance and it's also a lot of performing. Uh, so I think that's kind of where SAG tends to go. They try to thread that needle there. Um, so I think it's possible. And uh, yeah, she's great. And I would have no problem with it. It'd be cool. Yeah, it, it, it would be uh, very interesting. Now for Best Actor, Chadwick Boseman wins. Uh, just kind of keeping him locked there in that number one slot. And then we got the Best Director here. And I think if there's anywhere where Chloe Zhao wins, it's here and she did. So she wins the Critics' Choice for Best Director. So she's got the Globe and she's got the Critics' Choice now. And I think she's really set to just run the table um we'll have to see what happens at the dga and at the baftas but she looks really strong here and then best picture went to nomadland and i think that makes sense with the critics choice and now nomadland and chloe Zhao back to back globes and critics choice they're looking strong early on yeah it's it seems like nomadland's a major major lock as a front runner um i'm still waiting we talked about this last I'm still waiting for the backlash for No Man Land and it still hasn't come yet. So um, I don't know. It's it's sitting pretty right now. Yeah, for sure. So now we'll move into the BAFTA nominations. And before we do, I think it's worth noting that they had a very different method of voting on their nominees this year. So the BAFTAs, I think, are a branch of 6,000 or so people. And every year they, they vote on all the categories for the nominees. But this year, after some backlash last year, after... 20 out of 20 acting nominees uh, were, were all white. And I believe five out of five directing besides Bong Joon-ho, so four out of five. Um, but it, it was kind of their, their BAFTA so white moment, and if, if you will. And they wanted to kind of correct that. And they wanted to bring in kind of not a more diverse look uh, per se. They did want to do that, but they also wanted to bring in a look that was kind of stretching past kind of the mainstream of cinema and to try to bring in more voices. So they decided for the acting and directing categories this year. So just those five categories that they would have a jury of 12 deciding the nominees, which I don't know how I feel about it. As we're about to see, it made the the nomination process insane. Like it's just a lot of these nominees are just kind of out of left field and it definitely made them a little bit more British, a little bit more indie um, and certainly a lot more diverse as you saw people of color getting in, uh, just more than they ever have of the Baptist in history. So I think it, for what they wanted to do, it really did change. Um, we'll have to see how this progresses in the years to come. Uh, I think there are definitely ways you can look at this and maybe even alter it a little bit more, uh, but it, it's, it's certainly interesting and worth uh, noting. Yeah, I'm a, of two minds on this. Like the first, I think it's kind of interesting because it did lead to a lot of really cool picks. Like we haven't talked about Artish Gorov from the White Targer, like at all during this award season. So I thought that was really, really cool. Um, we have a bunch of that throughout all these categories, but also if you're just limiting it to this 12 person jury, you're not really fixing the problem in the BAFTAs as a whole. Cause you know, we've seen with the Oscars over the past few years, basically like double their um, awards body, which has led to a lot of really cool change. And obviously Parasite and all these really cool things that has happened there. So just leading it to the jury doesn't really solve the problem of a lack of diversity within the entire pool itself. So 
Um, I think the jury, it definitely made some cool choices here, but I would just prefer them just to improve their voting body as a whole. Yeah, I agree there. Um, so just because of the jury scenario, I think if, if you're just a regular kind of awards guy and you're just really not, um, you're, you're paying attention, but you're not really knowing about this jury thing and you see these BAFTA nominations, you're going to throw all your uh, predictions out of the water or out of just, out, just you're going to throw them all out because it really changed the race. And that's kind of where we have to talk about, do these nominations really have an impact now on the Oscar race? I think they do in a way. I think they help to elevate people in terms of just people knowing about them, if you will. But uh, I don't, I don't really know if like, I, I do still think the winners are going to impact the race a little bit here, but I, I don't know if it has as big of an impact as it would in previous years, because they really did want to do something different this year. And I truly respect it, but I don't know if just in terms of predicting the Oscars, if it uh, is the best indicator anymore um, and just how much weight these categories have now, what do you think? Do you think these categories still have uh, weight to them? I do in a way, but not as much as they used to. Yeah. I, I think the way I'm looking at it is I, I think that like, we're not going to see a lot of, uh, this, the British film rocks at the, <laughs> the at the Oscars, you know, but I'm kind of looking at it in terms of what are the movies that are kind of on the outside looking in of the general Oscar conversation and to see if they got a little bit of a boost here. And I think the movie that I'm dialed in on here a little bit is the Martanian, which um, I still don't think we'll get a lot of love outside of Tahir, um, Tahir Rahim and Best Actor. But I feel like like this movie got what four five nominations here um i do think that kind of publicity for a movie that's kind of on the outside looking in i think does help in that sense because the mauritanian will show up with other voting bodies elsewhere so i think that in that sense it helps yeah certainly and one thing we do have to note too is in my opinion what i do like about this is it's a little bit more British than usual, a little bit more European, even a little bit more international. And if they do want to do something different from now on, if they do kind of want to go in that direction, I'm here for it. So we'll jump in now with the best supporting actor. So Daniel Kaluuya made it um, for Judas and the Black Messiah. Barry Cogan made it for Calm with Horses, which apparently has a different name stateside. Do you know about that? Yeah, uh, I forget. I can't, I can't remember if it's Calm with Horses is the stateside name or if it's something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure Calm with Horses is the British name there. I'm trying to pull it up, but that's okay for now. But that's that's the name of the film, Calm with Horses. So Barry Cogan gets in there. Alan Kim got in for Minari, which in my opinion is just a, a crazy uh, thing. I, I think it's so cool. Leslie Odom Jr., who's kind of who we've been seeing a lot, he gets in for one night. And then this was this one was weird. Clark Peters got in for The Five Bloods. Um, he did good in the movie, but it's a very weird thing. And it kind of makes me think, should you have had Delroy Lindo in the supporting category this whole time? Like, that's kind of what I think about this nomination. Yeah, I, I just like the one thing about this award season as a whole that's really bothered me is just like the lack of just talk about Del- Delroy Lindo. Because we watched this film, we watched The Five Bloods back in the summer and we potted about it and we were like, all right, so Delroy Lindo's winning, right? Um, so yeah, it's just weird. Um, I guess, yeah, you're probably right. It would have been, it would have been a situation kind of like with like Brad Pitt or like last year or Viola Davis and fences where you put them in supporting and it's kind of like you're, you're stacking the vote kind of, cause they're not really supporting characters in those movies, but um, kind of the same way as Del Rolando is, but you can kind of make a case for it. 
Um, But it does seem like that might have been the way to go Mm -hmm. with how this is shaping up. Yeah. And then last but not least, Paul Racy got in for Sound of Metal. So that's a cool one for the BAFTAs to do. So that's your supporting actor category. Um, Now supporting actress. um, We had Maria Bakalova get in for Borat. So that's, I think, is a huge uh, indicator. Like she gets in even with the jury. Um, That's very cool. So she gets the BAFTA and she now is the only one out of this category that's got a Globe nomination, a BAFTA nomination, a Critics Source nomination, and a SAG nomination. So she looks good and she's set for the uh she's set for the uh oscar nomination now in my opinion um dominic fishback got in here for judas and the black messiah very cool um ashley uh Matakiwi, uh for county lines not too familiar with that film uh yeah you jung got in for minari and then niam algar got in for calm with horses and then kosar ali for rocks rocks is an indie coming of age british film uh, went on to get seven nominations here, which ties Nomadland for the most. But that's your supporting actress category. And that's the one, in my opinion, that's like, what the hell? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And just a little bit of cleanup. Uh, Calm with Horses is the shadow of violence in the States. Shadow of um, violence. So I guess that's straight. But um, yeah, I really want to see Rocks now because apparently it's the best movie ever. <laughs> I really want to see it. It's got a 96 um, Metacritic score, which is one of the highest I've ever seen. Like Metacritic, they're usually pretty yeah, it's harsh. Really good. So, um, apparently, it's really good. Uh, it's on Netflix too here. I don't know about in the US, but it is here. Um, but yeah, this is a crazy category. And really, it's only Maria Bakalova and Yao Yu Jung that have been strong everywhere else. I think this nomination for Dominic Fishback maybe bodes well for her as well. Maybe it gets her a little bit more notoriety as we see Judas potentially start to rise. But that's our supporting actress nominees. Uh, best actor. This one was kind of the most, uh, kind of the most standard in my opinion, kind of what we've been seeing. So Riz Ahmed got in, uh, Chadwick Boseman got in, and then you had, as you said, uh, Adarsh Gaurav for The White Tiger. Uh, Anthony Hopkins got in, uh, Tahir Rahim got in, and then Mads Mikkelsen finally gets in somewhere. So he gets into the BAFTA for best actor here. Yeah, it's nice to see him uh, since I just love him in another round so much. But yeah, I... Th- <laughs> I, I am really, my thumb really is on Tahrahim. I really feel like he has a good shot of being um, that fifth spot. Um, I see Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins all seem like they're kind of locks. And then you probably have like Mank or Gary Oldman as Mank and somewhere in there. And then Tahrahim, I, I don't know. It does seem like he's picking up a little bit of steam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of Gary Oldman there, that's the big one that you kind of lose out on here. I think the jury wasn't, wasn't big on Mank. Amanda Seyfried doesn't get in. Gary Oldman doesn't get in. Um, David Fincher doesn't get in. So the jury wasn't big on Mank at all. Um, so now we go to Best Actress. Uh, Alfred Woodard for Clemency gets in. I saw this like 13 months ago or so, and I, th- I thought it was a great movie and she was great in it, but it's so crazy. Apparently it came out in the UK in 2020. Um so she gets in there, which I think is pretty cool. You had uh, Winmi uh, Musaka for His House. Uh, Francis McDormand gets in for Nomadland. Vanessa Kirby gets in for Pieces of a Woman. Uh, Rada Blank gets in for 40-Year-Old Version. And then uh, Bucky Backry for Rocks gets in. Um, this is also another one that's kind of crazy. Like, you have no Carrie Mulligan, and I thought she would get in. I mean, she's she's British. She's been doing well, uh, but the jury didn't go for her, and she doesn't get in. But I think this shows the staying power of Francis McDormand personally yeah she's definitely getting in as one of them um 
it is weird. Like, you know, you have, um, it's just all over the place. <laughs> like Rod of Blank uh, is just, I wouldn't have expected that one, but it's really cool. I really like her mm. in that movie and she's terrific. Um, yeah, Alf- yeah, Alfred Woodard is terrific in Clemency. I also saw that movie back in like December of 2019. So it's uh, <laughs> it's been a minute since I've seen that movie, but she's really good then. Honestly, like it's it's crazy. I mean, I'm 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 here for it. Like I'm welcoming this change because I think there's a lot of cool nominees, but it's it throws the kind of standard predictions out the window. And I mean, it's cool. Uh, so now we go to the best director category here, which was the last of the five that did the jury. So you had uh, Sarah Gavron for Rocks, which makes sense as that movie just kind of ran the table, got seven nominations. Uh, Jasmila Zabanich for uh, K- uh, Vitas Aida. Spanish, maybe. Chloe Zhao for Nomad. <laughs> Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Uh, Shannon Murphy for Baby Teeth. And I think that's the only nomination Baby Teeth got. Uh, and then Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round. So they, they like that movie. Um, again, very cool lineup of nominees here for Best Director. Yeah, kind of weird they would go for Shannon Murphy for Baby Teeth, but not Eliza Scanlon and Best Actress. That just seems like a weird maybe not an oversight, but it just seems like, why would you do one and not the other? Cause it seems like those two are just so connected for that movie. It's the reason that movie is so good, but regardless, it's cool to see her. And then, yeah, Thomas Winterberg, amazing work in another round. Um, this is, these are cool picks. I, I kind of, it's kind of refreshing, honestly, looking at all these because I'm kind of tired about talking about the same five people this entire time. So yeah, I like the BAFTAs being a little weird. It's fun. <laughs> Makes it is. Fresh um, it is. So that's our, that's kind of where we conclude with the jury categories. Now I'm just, I'm going to quickly run through a lot of these below the lines, but I think this is big because you got to, in a way, look at these and kind of compare them to the Oscars. Oftentimes the below the line categories at the BAFTAs, they don't always line up, but sometimes they do. Um, so I'm going to skip some of the, sh- the best British short films here and we'll move into the animated film. Uh, so they only do three onward solo and wolf walkers. I think that's pretty standard. Um, and then you got the visual effects category, Tenet, Mulan, Midnight Sky, Greyhound, and then the one and only Ivan gets in, which is on the Oscar shortlist. Um, so we could see the one and only Ivan landing. Um, one quick note here, Tenet, it was supposed to do good. It was supposed to do good because they, they like Nolan more than the, than the Academy does. And he always, like Dark Knight Rises didn't get any Oscar noms. It picked up one here. Um, I think it was Batman Begins that picked up several here, whereas it only got the one Oscar nomination. They even went a little bit bigger on Dunkirk. Um, the Oscars went big too, but they went even a little bit bigger on that movie. So, I mean, he's a British guy. He's kind of their, he's got to be one of their favorite sons, right? But Tenet got essentially blanked. So we're going to see that as it progresses. So they get only visual effects. They were supposed to potentially get sound editing score vfx but they just get into the visual effects category which hurts for them uh so now best sound uh sound of metal soul nomadland news of the world and then greyhound um quick little note there for me i'm rooting for sound of metal here do you think that that could win the oscar i sure hope so and it's weird this year because we have the one best sound category now so that kind of I mean, I feel like in, the, in previous years, they'd be like, they still did, like, I feel like the Academy itself didn't have a good understanding of sound mixing versus sound editing, but they were like, ah, two of these movies are really good with their sound. So we'll, we'll have one win in one of the categories and one win in the other. And they kind of split it up that way. Um, but I feel like Sound of Metal is the only movie that like, like actually deals with sound 
as like the core of the movie. And typically like you see, I'm thinking of like Phantom Thread wins for costume design because that movie's all about the dresses. So I feel like when you have a movie all centered around one of these blow the line categories, I feel like it always does well there. So that would be my pick if, if I had to choose right now. Yeah, I see this being the one win from Sound of Metal on Oscar night. And I hope it is because it's just so unique. Um, now we go to production design. We had The Dig, which did pretty well here. It got a couple of nominations. It got into the best British film category. Uh, the Father got in, Mank got in, News of the World got in, and then Rebecca. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the one coming. <laughs> ah, it's weird. I mean, they always do something a little different. Uh, and then we go to the best original music or score. Um, Mank, Minari, uh, News of the World, and then Promising Young Woman, which is kind of a surprising one, and then Soul. Uh, so that's, we kind of see Tenet and the Midnight Sky, which have been the regulars drop out of here. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know if Promising Young Woman lands at the Oscars. Uh, like, is it a great score? I still haven't been able to watch it. Very soon I will. But uh, was that a weird one, do you think? Yeah. When I when I think of Promising Young Woman, I think of the soundtrack more because they do a lot of, there's a lot of really interesting poppy songs that they use in there. There's a iconic sing-along of uh, sequence to a Paris Hilton song which is amazing uh but yeah that's that's kind of what I think about and there's like a a slowed down version of Britney Spears is toxic so I think I think more of like the pop influences on the movie rather than the score itself so that is a little weird but um yeah honestly I don't feel like talking about the midnight sky more than I have to so I'm kind of happy that it's not here <laughs> yeah um now we got a best makeup and hair the dig gets in again uh, Hillbilly's there, uh, Marini's Black Bottom, Mank, and then Pinocchio. I'm pretty glad for Pinocchio. I've, I haven't watched it, but I've seen so many uh, pictures from it, and just I've seen a couple scenes. I hope it gets into the uh, the Oscar five because it looks really cool. Yeah, I don't think it will. Is my assumption because I feel like the movie that movie even like have a U.S. release. I don't even remember. I can't remember if it came out here or not. I just don't feel like it, it's left enough of an imprint if I'm being honest, but um, quick shout out to The Dig for being an iconic uh, fold laundry while you watch Netflix movie. Cause it's just British people talking, Ray Fiennes is smoking a pipe with an accent and just people exploring and finding stuff, excavating things. Uh, <laughs> just, it's, it's an iconic, just you kind of pay half attention and watch it in the background. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it did, it did all right. So we now go to editing. Uh, the Father's here, thankfully. Uh, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and then Trial. Another one for Sound of Metal that's big in my opinion. It, it's got another editing one here that it gets into. So it's, uh, it's starting to look good. Yeah, I agree. Um, and now we got the costume design. Ammonite gets in. That's its sole nomination. Um, the Dig, uh, Emma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Mank. Um, another one for The Dig. <laughs> um, Shout out to it. <laughs> and then uh, Ammonite getting something this award season. The movie that last summer was supposed to be like our big one of the year, and then it came out and it just wasn't. <laughs> uh, it gets into Baptist for costume. Yeah, I still haven't seen it there because it's weird because you, yeah, you're right. Last year we were like, oh, this movie's huge. It's uh, Kate Winslet and uh, Sasha Ronan. It's going to be a massive awards contender. It really hasn't been doing anything. This is one of the few times we've actually referenced it on this pod. So, uh, I mean, you see the, like, the costume design in it is pretty good. So um makes sense why it's here, but I'm surprised it hasn't showed up anywhere else. Yeah. Um, now on to cinematography, Nomadland, News of the World, The Mauritanian. 
Mank, and then Judas finally getting in. So that's big. But the Mauritanian, I think, I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't seen it yet either. Have you seen it? No, nah, it's one of the few I still haven't, I haven't seen because I'm waiting for the, um, I refuse to do like the $20 rental stuff. Oh, yeah. So yes, I'm waiting yes. for it to drop. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that most people were kind of shocked at. So maybe it just points to a more widespread love for the movie. That's why I got in, but we'll see. And now we get the best casting. It's only the second year that this award has been a thing. So we don't really have much to go off of. Um, but if I compare last year's best casting to this year's, I really think that they went with some more inspired choices, despite me barely seeing any of these. Just kind of reading up on them, it just seems more inspired. I remember last year for best casting, I think they had Joker that won. Uh, they had the Irishman. They had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They went with really the best picture picks. But uh, this year, the BAFTAs nominated Rocks, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Calm with Horses. So, yeah, sure. While the jury changed things up in the uh, other categories, I think that it, I think that the BAFTAs as a whole kind of had like like some differences from the rest of the season, right? With with the success from The Dig, say, or Pinocchio getting in. Um, Minari finally breaking into score. I think this casting category is really inspired, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I, I just really want to see rocks now. It sounds great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's really cool seeing Judas Minari, Promising Woman, which is, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of like of Promising Woman and the best ensemble because there's just so many different people coming in. There's a few like pretty famous people that have one scene in that movie and you're like oh what are you doing in here what are you doing in this movie but they're really good in that one scene they have um so it's cool to see that here yeah um and now we got uh for best adapted screenplay uh the white tiger gets in which people are starting to think now that's one that might land the oscar nomination uh nomadland the mauritanian the father and the dig so that's your adapted screenplay at the baftas um original another round landed which is big uh, Mank, Promising Young Woman, Rocks, and then Trial of Chicago 7. So even those categories that aren't jury, there's differences there that we've seen that we haven't seen throughout the season. Yeah, it's I just love seeing another round whenever I get the chance because <laughs> that movie is just really, really cool. Uh, so that's the kind of the one I'm hanging on. Yeah, and then just kind of wrapping it up here, we'll go to the best film overall. So they only do five, and... So we had Trial of Chicago 7, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, The Father, and then The Mauritanian. <laughs> so The Mauritanian gets in. I had these four plus Mank. I didn't have The Mauritanian here, but it gets in. So I think you're right, kind of focusing on that movie, especially from how it did at the BAFTAs. We could see that potentially spread over a bit into the academies. I think it's pretty interesting how this movie has progressed at the award season. Yeah, I still don't think it's going to do much outside of uh, Tahar Rahim, but I think this amount of exposure for it is really good because I don't think a lot of people have seen it, to be honest. I think a lot of people are like me, they're like, yeah, I guess I'll see it, but they're not like too crazy about it. So they're going to wait for the price to drop on rental on rental and VOD or whatever. So I do think this exposure for it is really good because if anything, it'll get more eyes on Tahar Rahim. So yeah. Certainly. So that's our BAFTAs. I think the takeaways is the jury really, and it's going to be something that people are definitely going to talk about and look over and um, we'll see what happens. But I think it sets up a really interesting BAFTAs night. I think that you certainly have a really interesting, uh, interesting prospects out there for what could win. Uh, so now we'll move back stateside. We've got the Producers Guild of America nominations. Um, 
huge in in my opinion i think generally almost all of these always line up with the oscars however they always go and push 10 whereas the oscars don't require you to give out 10 nominees um so i'll run through these here so we had borat get in for the pga which is crazy the more i think about it the more it makes sense but when i first saw the list i was like baffled uh, so borat gets in judas and the black messiah mara rainey's black bottom mank minari nomadland one Night Miami, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of Chicago 7. Big misses, I guess, to Five Bloods. That hurts for them. And The Father, that hurts for them. Um, but really, Borat getting in is probably the story here, in my opinion. Uh, I I really want Borat to win everything at this point. This is so funny to me. Like, it's like you have all these other movies, and I, I like almost all of them, but they're all like very much more Oscar picks than you just have Borat subsequent movie film. And it's <laughs> hilarious. Um, I do get it though. Cause this is one heck of a producing job. Cause they just yeah. flew by the seat of their pants to actually make this thing. And you would consider like they filmed during the coronavirus. And then they basically, they basically turned this movie into a coronavirus movie like halfway through because the virus happened. So they just started filming it and then fil- and then put that into the narrative. So um, it makes yeah, sense. It's really impressive how they got it done, uh, but uh, it's just really funny to read it with the other names. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a movie that's soaring, right? So, Back Level wins the Critics' Choice, uh, Borat wins the Golden Globe, uh, and then they get in here at the um, Producers Guild. And you know what? I looked at the past nominees over the past few years, and they always like to go for one thing like this. Like, Deadpool got in uh, a couple years back at the PGA. Um, Wonder Woman, or not 1994, the first Wonder Woman in 2017 got in as well. So they like to at least recognize one big studio movie or one kind of outsider movie. Oh, another big miss here is uh, News of the World, which in my opinion, the PGA is kind of one of your more boomery guilds. Mm-hmm. News of the World not getting here does not bode well at all. Yeah, really. It's because I felt like News of the World... I feel like everyone was just penciling it in. No one feels great about it. And they're like, oh yeah, it'll get the 10th spot. And there's one of like, there's one of these every year where it's like your vice or like some other movie that just no one really cares about. Like the post was a good one. Like that movie was never going to do anything at the Oscars, but they're like, ah, we'll just give it the last best picture spot. But I would love it if Borat too was the, was the 10th spot. Like, I don't care if it wins. That just makes the awards so much more funny. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Borat's a movie that is like, it could be like a time capsule for 2020 even. Like it's got like a lot of stuff like years from now, we'll look back and say, yeah, that movie kind of depicts 2020 pretty well. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways, it's the most 2020 movie. You're, you're, yeah. you're definitely right. Um, I think another big one here to get into the PGAs is Sound of Metal, a movie that is smaller in size but gets in pga's always like to recognize the big studio movies and that's really why i thought news of the world would get in here but sound of metal gets in which is uh, a great kind of uh great kind of nomination for them and i think it really personally makes me confident about predicting it to get a best picture nomination yeah it's it's really getting there right it's probably you'd probably put it in that ninth spot overall probably with with the rest of them but um it's really cool. I, I, I love seeing this movie rise. It's, I feel like it's a movie I haven't really talked about a lot publicly. So I just think it'd be fun to be able to dissect it a little more and have it in this conversation. For sure. Um, so that's our PGA nominations there. Um, uh, some big ones. Uh, I think Borat, it's got to be the story though. <laughs> uh, now we're going to the DGA, so the Director's Guild. 
which came out like the next day. This has just been a crazy week, right? Like we got on like nine days ago and had our last pod and all this has happened in those last nine days. So it's been a very hectic time in terms of awards. Yeah, it's uh, it's flying fast. <laughs> I can't keep up. I feel like sometimes you're like, hey, did you check this out? And I was like, no, I had no idea. <laughs> it's 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 busy. Um, so now we'll go into the EGAs. They have the three categories to get the best director documentary, first time feature and feature film. I did want to touch on specifically the first time feature and then the feature film. And I had a funny kind of question for you at the end. Um, but we'll start with the first time feature uh, nominees here. So we had Florian Zeller for The Father, um, Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal, uh, Regina King for One Night in Miami. We had uh, Fernando uh, Frias de la Pera for I'm No Longer Here, and then Rada Blank for The 40-Year-Old Version. So that's your first time feature. In my opinion, that's a completely stacked first time feature category. Yeah, that's really, really good. It is kind of crazy when you take a step back and you realize that a lot of these people that were are mostly, most likely going to be nominated are people that we haven't really had on this stage before which I think is really cool. I think part of that is a lot of the, like the big Hollywood mainstays, just the movies just didn't come out this year. Like we didn't have um, Spielberg for um, his big movie. Of, what, what is it? Uh, what's the remake he's making? Yeah. <laughs> the, it's the musical. <laughs> yeah, West Side Story. What the, why West I Side Story, there you go. <laughs> music, yeah. It just shows how much I care about that movie. Um, but like that didn't come out and like a bunch of others too, where you would have had your more, like classical names here a lot of white dudes but um it is really cool seeing this because like yeah Darius Martyr, Son of Battles might get that best picture nom Father will probably get the best picture nom Regina King definitely one in Miami um it's cool um I haven't seen I'm no longer here um that's the one I haven't seen on this list but all I hear are amazing things about that movie so uh, definitely want to check it out yeah it's it's just so cool I mean Elma Harrell won last year for um her film and I think this year I mean she probably would contend here as well but in my opinion you just you just got some juggernauts here in this category this year in terms of films so we'll go to the best feature film here for the uh, DGAs and they did uh, make history with two female directors getting nominated there's never been more than one at a time before and this year really we're seeing a trend with that I mean at the Golden Globes you had three female directors get nominated and it's definitely well deserved the one that's probably missing here is obviously Regina King. She's down in the first feature category. So it kind of gives you a chance to recognize more people. Um, but anyway, so our DGA nominees are uh, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, which is a big one for him to get into. Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, David Fincher for Mank, Aaron Sorkin for Trial, and then Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Um, I'm starting to feel Emerald uh, Fennell for a Best Director nomination now. I think she looks really strong after this. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, it's the DGAs, right? But um, I think this is our five. I think this is it. I think this is what we'll see at the Oscars. Um, it sounds like, it seems like One Night Miami, like the buzz for that one hasn't been as great overall, even though I think Regina King's work in that movie is phenomenal and it's a really good movie. But it seems like this is our five at this point, which I think is pretty neat, pretty diverse. A lot yeah. of interesting projects here, all movies that like talking about except not just, nah, just kidding i don't like trial but <laughs> the four out of five is pretty good so um i can't complain honestly i do agree with you i think this could be the five i think this is a big one for lee isaac chung to land into and you're seeing minari rise at the right time like we didn't see it do too much of the globes um but now with that big alan kim, or alan kim uh speech there that just kind of 
he was crying. Everyone loved it. Got trending on Twitter. Um, Minari now getting in, doing big numbers at the BAFTAs. And then here, the DGAs uh, getting a nomination for him. I think they're, they're, they're plateauing at the best point in the award season and kind of as Oscar voting happens, like it happened this week, it closed this morning. So Oscar voting just happened as all this is unfolding for Minari. Really good timing. Um, I would agree. I think this, this definitely could be our five, but I, I, I wouldn't bet on an outside pick, but the Oscars like to always throw in the one curveball. Remember Cold Wars director? Uh, oh, yeah. Still got Pavel Polakowski. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, the Oscars, they always try to go for one weird kind of directing pick. And I wouldn't want to guess who it would be. Like, I have no idea, but uh, that could happen. But I think predicting these five is like the safest you can go. And you're not going to be upset at the end of the day if you pick these five, because it does look like it probably will be something along these lines. Yeah. I'm trying to think because. Um, Cold War was an Amazon movie, and so like it was the Amazon apparatus that probably got that movie all its nominations. I mean, I love that movie. I think that movie is probably one of my favorite movies of the last decade. But it was just kind of crazy to also see all those nominations for it. Um, so similarly, I think you, you might look at Sound of Metal because uh, that's also an Amazon movie. Maybe they can pull up some magic there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I I wouldn't bet against anything else other than this five. Yeah. Um, so, so there you have it. I mean, we'll, we'll wrap up now, but that's, that was one of the craziest weeks of the award season, probably the craziest up at this point. Um, maybe not as crazy as hearing about music, getting those globe nominations at the very <laughs> beginning of the season, but it was, uh, it was quite something. I want to thank you again for coming on what we got coming up next though. Our next episode is going to be huge because we got our Oscar nominations uh, on Monday morning at eight nineteen a.m very obscure time it's like a baseball game with like the 707 start times uh but they're releasing them at 8 19 on monday morning it's uh nick jonas and uh his wife there miss chopra so that's a uh, pretty exciting too to be revealing the nominations yeah i'm really looking forward to cherry and music with a lot of nominations uh just throwing all of our cards out the window uh, i'm ready for it Oh yeah. Can't wait for uh, the Martanian to run the table. And that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so just want to thank you again for coming on as always. And we'll be uh, back next week with another episode of movie babbles road to the Oscars. Mm-hmm.